en een hartelijke goeie morgen. Welkom by ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, die woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord. En Psalm 119, sê, die woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraag laat, om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte, waarmee ek en jy moendlik kan worstel nie. Krijg dus gau jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Our family is just getting bigger and bigger. Welcome to 657 AM. Yeah, and a warm-hearted good morning. Abosheni, Mulweni, Dumilang, Sanbunani, Guiamora, and how do I greet you, Honorable Rocky Stevenson? Mm, wonderful, man. <laughs> so good to be here. Good to have you back uh, from Cape Town. How long have you been down in Cape Town? Well, I was there from, well, about, it was in about nine days, but nine I got days back just before the weekend. And so got back on the Friday. Wait, Thursday. Sorry. Yeah. Felt like the Friday. And but um, been back. Had a lovely weekend back at home at Benoni Bible Church. Morning and evening service on Sunday. And uh, it's been a nice busy time. I got to preach about six times in the nine days while I was in the Cape. Yeah. All the way from the Strand and then to Paul and then up at Durban. What a glorious opportunity. Yeah. Just we up and down everywhere. It was a, a real joy. Part of the ministry leadership conference yeah, there as well, yeah, which was yeah. a real down at Mountain View Baptist Church, and so that was lovely. All right, uh, glad to have you back behind the microphone. This is a live broadcast that means Kilner Park, uh, Pretoria, in uh, Jacoba Street. That's where we're broadcasting from this morning. And, uh, well, the program itself, if you've got a question with regards to God's Word, a lifestyle question, uh, we've got a very interesting one uh, to start this morning with. If I use the name Ashbury, Everybody will know what I'm talking about. Well, at least in our Christian world. Mm. Not uh, so much in the secular world, but uh, we've got a very, very interesting question for you. That's what we're kicking off this morning's uh, program. If you've got a question uh, that you'd like to ask, uh, and uh, you can send it through to 082 Vodacom Network, 082 That's the number. Kind request, sideline remark to just put in the scripture, just make reference of the scripture that, uh, that you've got a question to, and uh, that just makes life a little bit easier here in stereo. As you follow on for the first time, you're welcome. Welcome. En dit sal lekker wees, ek vertrou dat jy die program sal geniet. Vraag en antwoord program, ons delft dier die skripte, en soos wat een vriend van my daar in die oorskaap gesê het, laat ons geen steen onaangeraak laat om die waarheid te vind nie. Dere is nie dier mekaar, with all respect, God is not confused about uh, His word, and uh, there's normally not two answers to a question, it's just straightforward, simple, the, the, the problem is, we sometimes don't want to ex- accept what the Lord has said about certain things, and that kind of turns our world upside down. So as iemand iets ergens gesêd om te die woord, of jy te vraag, uh, Rocky, just this morning in our daily reading program here at Radio Pulpit, I was reading in, uh, I think it is Exodus 25, about the 72 that saw the Lord God Almighty. They ate and drank in front of him, and they lived to tell the story. And yet there's another place in Scripture where it says, no man can see God and live. 
Mm. Uh, not in the flesh, at least. So the, if you've got a question, I'm not going to pose that as a question this morning. But th- that is part and parcel of the things we sometimes read in God's Word, and it just doesn't make sense. Mm. How is it possible? The one word says... Uh, nobody can see God and lives in the, the other end. You have these 72, Moses, all the elders of Israel. So, as jy so vraag het, stuur het vir ons in 0826572729. Maybe you've got a question about marriage. You've got a question about raising kids. You've got a question with regards to your church. Is it a Bible teaching church? Maybe it's not a Bible teaching church. What are you to do? Are you to uh, pull your roots, move on, go sit, search for a Bible uh, preaching church? Or are you to stay and bring truth uh, in the midst of those brothers? What are we to do about these things? This is the question we unpack in this program and we leave no stone unturned. As you listen to Rocky and myself this morning, maybe the Holy Spirit brings you another perspective, another scripture that you'd like to share. You're welcome to send that in as well. And then no voice notes, no voice notes. We don't have time to open the voice notes and listen whilst on air. You can only type out your questions and you send it to 082. Are you ready for it? 082. 657, the frequency in which we broadcast, and the number 2, and then 729. Can't do it easier and slower for you. Away to 657-2729. Stuur us a brief your vrouwen, and it's a lekker weers. Ons pak het hier aan in die atelier. Let's start with that uh, question that we got. What do you think about the Ashbury revival? Is it a biblical revival? What is revival and how do we discern? How do we measure? How do we know? Yeah, um, I know that it's, it may be a question that I step on a few toes regarding. I, my view of this is that it is revival only in its name. People have been calling it this, giving it a lot of popularity. I think it's had over a million views on different social media sites, etc. But as far as biblical revival, we do see that revival comes through God's word in particular not through just a worship service and a worship service even if there's been prayer and there's lots of singing and lots of feeling doesn't necessarily make it a revival now that doesn't mean that there aren't some there that may have come to understand the gospel and repented of their sin and come to a genuine saving faith so there may have been let's let's call it a revival mini in the sense that you have for example throughout the scriptures like psalm 119 147 where the psalmist says oh yahweh revive me according to your judgments or psalm 119 verse 154 uh, where it says plead my case and redeem me revive me according to your word so it may be that there were individuals that came to saving faith in the lord jesus at this time and therefore they had something of a personal revival and but as far as a revival proper in the sense of turning a whole country to the lord turning a whole city to the lord turning a whole place to the lord we don't really see this as far as what we see when it comes to some of the true revivals i want to ask you this people came from far afield yes. all over america to yeah. as 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 soon as the word reached them they hopped in their cars they hopped on planes and yeah. they came there from far afield to what do we measure how do yes. we know what is a re- you said it's the preaching of the word yeah, the preaching, the preaching of God's Word as well as the exposing of God's Word brings about that type of revival. What I would say as well is that in all other revivals of the past, people would actually go out from there and the revival would spread out. Whereas with, with this, we see people spreading in 
and so you have all of these people traveling in. You've got, in a sense, that continuous worship in song, and there's a lot of feeling, even when you listen to those that give testimony regarding this. I felt this. I felt that. But the Scriptures, when there's true revival, it's what I know, what I know from the Scripture. Yes, I've checked a number of these things. I've I've watched it from a distance, and and immediately I was thinking, this isn't really what we see as a biblical revival as the past when you find somebody like Nehemiah and Ezra in their day when they read the scriptures um, and you have the whole nation of Israel turning when you have Josiah and you have the you know for example the Bible found and they again read it and you've got the whole nation turning to God repenting from their sin you've got you know uh, with Jonah's preaching you've got Nineveh that repents of their sin. A whole city, yeah. You know, you've got in Acts chapter 19, you've got a revival that happens where the people actually bring all of their sorcery books and all of their rubbish and they burn it and they get rid of it and they turn away from their sin. And so that's part of what you see with biblical revivals where there's this mass turning from sin, a mass turning to God, a realization of the holiness of God and their own sin that is, in a sense, um, very real to them. Now, again, I would say that I'm not... I'm not saying that there isn't individuals there that truly have been turned to the yes, Lord. Yes. I don't want to go what, that what far. What makes the Ashbury, the, the, the whole Ashbury, um, what will we call it, for, for purposes of… of, of yeah, I, think, of I think it would be better to call it a prayer meeting and a worship service yeah. that continued. You know, you have a 24-hour kind of a sense where people were sleeping and then waking up, coming back again. People were coming in and there was a lot of hype that drove this, you know, and eventually they shut it down. Um, and it was the campus staff that would shut it down. And, and even again there, if it were true revival, it would spread out from there. It wouldn't just stay in that location. And that's, again, not saying that God hasn't used it in some way. Now, First John 4 verse, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, what I would say as well is that we do need to test it. We need to see what, what, it, what is said about it. We need to measure things based upon the scriptures. And there's, there's really hasn't been from this a mass calling towards repentance via a proclamation of the scriptures, which we see as a scriptural basis for many of the revivals in the past. If you have to take it and look at something like the Scottish revival and see what happened there with the open air preaching and all of the miners that were coming to the Lord, there you have so much evidence of true biblical revival where people were bringing back in their hordes the things they had stolen from the mines and they had to build warehouses for it. The whole economy came to a standstill. Because these men no longer were swearing at their donkeys either. And so you had this whole turning of a, of a place where you could see. But Repentant hearts. Yes, there's the preaching of God's word was primary. Another aspect as well is that you have this happening on a campus. There's no primacy of the local church that is taking place there. There's no local churches that are actually flowing out from this central venue that are starting to actually have this revival spread. And that's what we saw throughout all of the biblical revivals of the past. It, It had always spread out. Whereas with this, everybody spread in and and came in. There's also not so much of a persecution happening, even from Satan. Satan gets very upset and angry at a true biblical revival, whereas it would seem that the mass media, even from around the world, were very pro this. One of the other aspects is that you have a lot of questionable 
men, questionable teachers, even false teachers, that were getting behind us saying, this is a revival. This is great. You get to know sometimes what something is by who approves it and who stands behind it. And so that to me would be questionable as well. When you have a number of questionable individuals going, this is a revival, this is a revival, this is a revival. And whereas a lot of those that would be um, teachers that have stood for the truth for years have not themselves gotten behind this. And that's not to say that there hasn't been lives changed there. And I'd use this as an illustration. I got saved in 2001 at a Baptist Union summer camp. And it was very much similar to, let's say, an Ashbury revival. There was yeah. It was during the worship service while the music was playing, while and, and it, it impre- God impressed upon my heart my need of a Savior and that Christ is the Savior and that it was my sin that placed him on the cross. Now, the ends don't justify the means. God in his mercy reached me there. But it's not about the feeling. It's not about the hype. It's not about the feeling. Yes, all of that. It's about a true walk with God. And so I'm not saying that that hasn't happened with some individuals at the Ashbury revival and that there wasn't a revival of of personal individuals that turned to the Lord. Um, But but from what I can see as far as this and judging it based on the scriptures and other revivals that we've seen throughout history, there wasn't the primacy of God's word, the primacy of the local church, the primacy of seeing the holiness of God and then also the sinfulness of man. There was also some questionable things that I won't mention on air that happened there as well. You know, for example, there was one of the ladies that was testifying that there's been limbs that were growing back on people. But then there was no proof of that happening. You know, there were people that I think in the hype jumped up and ran around, etc. And we have lots of that happening. And so I, I think that we, we want to see people in particular turning from their sin and turning towards the First holiness of Christ yeah. and repenting of their sin. What we also don't see is um, baptisms, for example. That That throughout the book of Acts, we saw... When there was true believing faith, there was repentance, and then there were baptisms. And you had 3,000 added to their number, for example, in Acts chapter 2. You don't see the transitioning of these thousands of people into their local churches to make a difference. Now, it might happen with some of them. I'm not there. I don't see all of the hearts of the people. And that's what I want to be cautious of, is that the Lord in his mercy often even uses things like this and there are people that genuinely are saved. Yeah. And those people will genuinely get plugged into their local churches. Yeah. But what I don't see is a flowing out from this to the rest of Texas and the rest of America and a repentance in, in a proper sense like what we had with the Nineveh. Uh, we're not seeing some of those marks. And so we pray for revival. Of course we do. The scriptures actually mention revival many times, I think at least uh, 18 times in the Psalms. You know, you have revival mentioned. And and even somebody like David in Psalm 51 where he says, Renew within me a right spirit, O God. So what is the caution here? The the, the word of caution is, yeah, be careful what we call revival. I think be careful what we call revival, but also not to get hyped up and to kind of get sucked into the... The, the mass hype, hype of mm. something like this. You know, from a distance, we, d- we don't need to knock it either. We can say, well, the Lord can do what he wants to do yes. with regard to this. Yeah. But what are we called towards? We call towards steadfastness in God's word. And yeah. we're called towards upholding God's word. The, the, the pinnacle point of any worship service is where God speaks to man. Not yeah. when man continues to sing to God or yeah. man continues to speak about God. It's when God speaks to man and, man and God does that through his word. And so I know that this started out, I believe, with a Bible study and they were teaching on um, Romans chapter 12. And so you had the start of this 
by the word of God, but you didn't see men getting up and like George Whitfield's or let's say John Wesley's or um, Jonathan Edwards. You don't have men like this that were preaching and proclaiming yeah. God's word. And when when people were coming to do that, it was there wasn't space created even for that. It was yeah. more. Let's keep on singing. Let's yeah. keep on singing. And I yeah. think I'd be careful that we don't get almost um, caught up in the mass hypnosis almost mm. of that moment mm. and and to rather step back and go it's not actually about the feelings but it's about the faith and that would be the big difference between what i'd see as a true revival and that which is not a true revival what is it done with the faith of an individual yeah. not with the feeling necessary love the way you say it's not we're not here to knock it we just uh, here to say be cautious of yes. of uh, don't get swept away by the hype around these things and have a discerning spirit yes. also amen all right, simple as that. Ashbury, done and dusted. <laughs> Let's move on. With me in studio, the uh, brother in Christ, uh, Rocky Stevenson. You can also hear him on uh, Mondays to Fridays. Let's talk quarter past eight in the morning until half past eight. And he's got wonderful inserts there. Theological, uh, is it uh, Tuesdays? No, yep, Theology Tuesdays. The theology Tuesdays, Technical, technical Thursdays. Thursdays. Yeah, yes. Fabulous Fridays and, and so on and so forth. Yep. So uh, you can also... Uh, Catch him there. Die vraag, as jy vraag het, skrifteerlik, die naam van die program, ons onderzoek die skrifte, kan ek vir jou vraag, as jy net luister vir oogend, om vir ons te bid, om vir Rocky te bid, hier in die atelier, dat die Heere uh, sy geest sal gebruik, and that what, what we share is not flesh, but the Spirit of the Lord, that we would seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through His Word. Thy Word is truth. Sanctify them by your Word. Bid is a blief vir hom, bid vir ons hier in die atelier, en as jy vraag wil instuur, jy kan so doen, 082-657-2729. Sit die skrifgedeelte by, as jy vraag het oor een specifieke skrifgedeelte, wat dalk nie vir jou sin maak nie, baie welkom om die by te sit, en ons is net hier tot 12 uur. So, as jy een vraagje wil instuur, jy sal vir jou moet roer dan, om die vraagie in te steer. Another question that we got, uh, Rocky, wrestling with 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. Um, would you mind to just read that for us and the question behind it, please? Sure. So the, the, the verse is 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, which says, In whose case the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the question goes like this. The God of the world has blinded their minds of un- or the minds of unbelievers, but God sovereignly controls all, including Satan. So that's true. God does sovereignly include all, like um, including Satan. And then it says some interpret this to give Satan more power than he has. Deuteronomy 29 verse 4, God opens eyes and ears to hear of his timing. And then by 2 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, people seem to give Satan some power as God expects one is good and the other is evil. So there's the question is now is, is, has Satan got the same kind of power that God has? Absolutely not. Some people might um, take this passage wrongly. That would be incorrect. It's true that that Satan is underneath God's sovereign hand. You'll remember with the book of Job, for example, where Satan needed to ask permission of God regarding yeah. 
what he would want to do with Job, and God was in absolute control of that. It will be good also to have a look at Second Corinthians 4, and just to read a little bit further, because it's helpful to get more of the context. So reading from verse 1 to 4 says the following, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart. So Paul is saying, we've got this ministry, and we have this ministry because we receive mercy from God. To receive mercy means to not get what you actually deserved. Yeah. And so that's how he starts this off. And that's important because Paul, as well as all of us, actually don't deserve any of the kindness of God towards Ephesians us. Ephesians 2, 8, yes, 9. We have, the grace of God alone. We have loved sin yeah. instead of loved righteousness, but yet God in his mercy has changed us. Yeah. So he says we don't lose heart. We continue in endurance because of this ministry we received. And then he says, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or adultering the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, so this is the point that he starts to make that comes to chapter 2 verse 4. He's talking about even if our gospel is veiled, in other words, it remains covered. He's giving the gospel, but to some people it's almost like there's a covering over over the gospel and they just don't seem to get it. He says it is veiled to those who are perishing. So Paul makes this point. He's saying there are some people who actually cannot get this. Because they are the ones that are the perishing mm. ones. I've, I've, I had a, a, a guy many years ago that said to me, and he almost put Satan on par with God. He says, you expect me to make a decision because the good guy, that's what he called it, yeah. the good guy picked a fight with the bad guy. Yes. And now I must make a decision and I'm in the middle. And he yeah. was literally putting Satan on par with God. Yeah, and there's this problem. I think people think of this as you have the good angel on the right shoulder, the bad angel on the left shoulder, yin yang, yeah, yeah. you know, where there's this idea that that God is equally as good as what Satan is equally bad. bad. And, yeah, and, and that you the have power to choose of, now. of Satan. And I think that's part of our problem sometimes as well. We often will accredit so many things to Satan that aren't actually his. Sometimes we think he's less powerful than what he is, but most of the time we tend to think he's just as powerful as what God is. And when, then we also blame him. We'll say, well, Satan made me do it. You know, yeah, this yeah. It was kind of Satan's fault. And yeah. we, we tend to think that he's the only enemy we have. We have three yeah. enemies. We have the, the flesh, which is the greatest enemy, and we have Satan, and then we also have the world yeah. as enemies. But Satan is not on par with Christ or on par with God at all. He's not equally powerful either. He's a he's created not, being. He's a created God. being. He's in one place at one time. Yeah. He has got a network. You know, he has a, a third of heaven's angels fell with him. There are some of those fallen angels that are already chained up and awaiting judgment. We see that in Jude. We see that in First Peter. So there are some of those fallen angels that had left their place of authority. We're not sure exactly how that worked out just before the flood of Noah's day, it would seem. And they've been chained up and they are awaiting judgment already. And that's why some of those demons, when Jesus was around, said, what do you, what do you want to do with us, Jesus? Yeah. You know, have you come to judge us before our time? Can we please go into the pigs? And he says, well, go out. So he has a network. And the way I kind of think of it is similar to something like the Internet. You yeah. know, the Internet is all connected. These computers are connected to other computers that are connected to other computers. There's a demonic network that is there. But he's, that's as far as he gets, as far as om, omnipresence. Yeah. You know, he has a network, and they, and we thank God we are shielded from even seeing a lot of that. We just stand firm. We to um, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. But we give him sometimes more credence than what he actually has. But what we see here is that he's saying the gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. 
And then it says, in whose case the God of this age has blinded their minds. So part of that veil is Satan actually causing these people to have this veil of these unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So this is part of God's judgment towards these individuals. Now, you've got to ask yourself, well, why? Why would this happen? And we don't know who these people are. That's another thing. And sometimes we get... Uh, maybe too excited and we want to in pride believe that we know the best thing but we do know that there are some people that god hands over to the darkening of their own minds because god has made himself plain to everybody yeah. but there's people that actually shut that down yeah. and they exchange the glory of god Suppress for those that. images mm. and so john 3 for example is a i mean we love john 3 verse 16 but john 3 from verse 19 to 21 says this and this is the judgment that the light has come into the world And men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds be exposed. Can I ask you, and God has given all of us a conscience. You know that you know that you're busy with evil and and works of darkness when you're busy with it. Uh, Even though your heart is veiled, you know that that, because we all got a conscience from God. And so the problem is actually a love problem. We don't love the light, and then we love the darkness, yeah. and that's what brings about this veil. And when I say we, I'm talking about humanity. I'm yeah. not talking about those that are believers. Yeah. You see that these are people that have a veil because they are the ones that are, present tense, perishing. they people that are, pursue, are, are pursuing this path of darkness. And verse 21 of John 3 says this, But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifest as having been done by God. And so that's where we see that um, passage in Ephesians 2, as you mentioned, by grace you have been saved. You come to the light because of this grace of God that has been manifest and shown to you. And doing evil is part of this blinding process because you love in evil, you don't love righteousness, so you stay in the dark. And one of the judgments of God is actually a handing you over to Satan in that sense. You see that even in 1 Corinthians regarding the man that was cast out of the church in church discipline. He was handed over to Satan so that he might learn to not blaspheme. And um, if we take as another reference Romans 1 verse 18 to 25, this is what it says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. But part of this wrath of God is actually letting somebody be deceived by Satan because they've pursued this love of sin. And so they say, okay, well, God says, okay, you want that? You can have that. Yeah, yes, Satan, yeah. To, yeah. to be over you now in the sense. Giving you over to and, the and desires of God. you only have God. two kinds of children in this world. You have children of Satan and you have children of God. You have children of wrath and you have children of righteousness. So you're a slave to, to wrath and to unrighteousness or you're a slave to righteousness under christ that's the only two options you have there's two families in this world the family of god the family of satan and so when you're loving sin and you're pursuing sin part of the very judgment of god is handing you over to that and then uh, romans carries on it says this because that which is known about god is evidence within them like you said our conscience like you said i mean for example the the glory of the world um, for god made it evident for them for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes both in eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through that which has been made so that they are without excuse For even though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give thanks. 
But they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanging the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in its likeness and corruptible man and birds and four-legged animals and creeping things. And then listen to this, verse 24 and 25. Therefore God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So there's people that are perishing because of their pursuit of unrighteousness and ungodliness. And this brings about that veil and God hands them over towards the devil hardening in Mm. that sense. Well, and you can't run away from it. I think uh, it's uh, former President uh, Ronald Reagan that said he's got this unholy desire to cook this absolutely mind-blowing, tasty tasty meal, uh, uh, invite an atheist, and once they finish eating, to sit back and say to him, don't you think uh, there's no cook in the kitchen? Uh, You know, it's the same. We know through our hearts and through our morals and through what God has given to us, all human beings on the face of the planet, all uh, 8 billion of ours uh, and uh, those who've lived and still to live, we know uh, God is not far away. You can find him. Right. Uh, bless your heart. Thank you so much, Rocky, for that one. 25 minutes to 12 o'clock. Skriftierlik is waar jy aangeskakel is. Ons onderzoek die vraag. En hier is een baie, baie interessante en rouwe. Baie dankie, ek het omgekry. Hy sê, goeiemorgen, een uh, baie... Mm, a populaire pastoor in a mega kerk in Amerika het a video van homself gemaakt Blessing a Homeless Man uh, hy het om na die mol te gevat vir hom baie expensive kleren gekoop en skoene all of this on video this has been bugging me and made me question this man's teachings what are your thoughts on it? Good morning a popular pastor of a mega church in the USA made a video blessing a homeless man by taking him to a mall buying him expensive clothes mm-hmm. and shoes right hand left hand the Bible says what yep. does the Bible say Rocky? Yeah um, How do so we there's, there's a number of things that I would find the same issue as I believe Rowan has found regarding this one of them being that the greatest blessing that you could actually give to anybody is the gospel and when you find somebody that's in a condition that is that they are begging or that they are in a position where they don't have food or don't have clothing that's not their major issue a lot of the time the issue is actually that of the heart jesus even said the poor you will always have with you he actually said that in response to judas getting upset about the alabaster jar that got broken by mary to wash jesus feet almost a year's worth of wage that was used and he didn't say it because he really wanted to give to the poor but he wanted to help himself to some of the money because he was a thief and that's what the scripture says regarding judas but part of this is also this putting on display your righteousness before people which is exactly opposite to what our lord jesus taught for example in matthew 6 verse 1 to 4 where he says beware of doing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Now, I mean, if you're putting it on social media and you've got a video of this because you so badly want to show how good you are to everybody else, I mean, that's going exactly opposite to what we see our Lord Jesus saying. He says, otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Therefore, when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. I think Jesus would actually define this popular preacher as a hypocrite. 
because he's doing exactly the same thing as what the hypocrites here are doing. Do not sound a synagogue, uh, you know, the siren or whatever for yourself in the streets so that you may be glorified by men. Everybody now is going to be writing on this man's social media. What a wonderful guy you are. Are we back to the veil here? Are we back to the veil over the heart here? Because this man uh, teaches scriptures. He's pastor of a mega church. Surely he knows the word of God. Are we back to the veil? Yeah, big time. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full. So this guy's not going to receive any reward from Jesus. If anything, he'll receive a rebuke from the Lord Jesus. You know, if the Lord Jesus were to type up something on his social media, I think he'd probably paste something like this in uh, Matthew 6, verse 1 to 4. And then he says, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What does that mean? You, You need to be able to give in such a way that even your left hand has it as a secret. <laughs> you know, the, the left hand doesn't know. The left hand's going, what did the right hand just give? You know, so you're not doing this, counting what you're giving, and actually um, boasting even in your own flesh regarding yeah. what you're doing. Doesn't the Bible say to give even to those who can't repay you for it? Yes. Can't give back something? No, definitely. There is that principle of caring, and, and um, you have that in James where he says, you know, if you see your brother without the worldly things, but you just say to him, well, bless you, brother, you know, like, yeah. you know, go and be well. What do you mean? You know, then, then do you have um, a faith without works? That is a dead kind of a faith. You know, we ought to be a people that care for one another. And we see that as well where the wealthy church within the New Testament was helping the poor church. For example, yeah. some of the churches that of the Gentiles began to raise funds. And Paul actually um, put his rubber stamp behind this and took these funds to the church at Jerusalem, which was really suffering a large amount of persecution. And so you have the stronger helping the weaker, and you have that within the context of the local body. Even past Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, you have them having everything in common, selling their goods, giving to the poor, loving one another in that sense. And so you do have a very real kind of alms giving, a a care for one another. But we don't see this kind of like putting it onto the stage or putting it onto your social media yeah and um you know verse four well, you might says, argue they didn't have tiktok way back then you yeah. know they didn't have youtube yeah so don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing <laughs> and then verse four of matthew six says so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you wow. now here's the other thing that mm. god sees the secret intentions of this man's heart yeah. this um whoever this man is the motive yeah. of this man's heart but rocky That's this not is hidden. not just on on youtube this is not just america's problem this is happening right here in south africa no, you definitely. just open up facebook and all these books uh, social media platforms to see this happening on a daily basis definitely and and what is the you know oftentimes the very intention of our hearts is so skewed you know, we, we, we even our good deeds are like filthy rags, Jeremiah says. Many times we'll do the good deed because, you know, let's use an example. You walk the old lady across the street, but you walk the lady across the street, you're hoping that um, somehow she writes you into her will because you were so kind to her or whatever it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's, there's yeah, often yeah. these hidden motives yeah. that God knows the motive of the heart. And many a times we put on to display actually the wickedness of our own heart. Wow. So um, a man like this, um, yeah, I would I would find probably the same kind of a issue as what uh, what Rowan did. All right. And uh, what I would say to Rowan as well is that we need to be very careful of those that become like TV evangelists or that are TV pastors or social media pastors. You know, you want to be plugged in with a biblically sound church 
where often the pastor is slogging away without anybody seeing it or knowing it, um, and they're just continuing to faithfully serve the Lord. Now, I say that as somebody that's on the radio, <laughs> and um, right. but I, I would say that you need to be pointed towards the primacy of the local church, where you can plug in and be involved with the very life of of a congregation and with a pastor and uh, an eldership that love the Lord and that don't put their righteousness on display for everybody else to see. All right, uh, enough about that. Uh, Ron, thank you so much uh, for that question. Bye, thank And yeah, that's a message for South Africa as well. Be careful. Right hand, left hand uh, principle concept of what you put on social media and the motive of the heart. Why do you do that? Uh, onderzoek jou hart, hoekom doen jy dit, en miskien is het dat iemand jou kan repay for that. Ikasa says we have to play some music as well, we'd like to hear, adhere to the authorities. Uh, Courtney Jones on the turntable, a song called My First Love, as jy vraag jy het, wat jy wil instuur voor 12 uur, 082657. 0826572729, send it through, we'll tackle it with God's word. Cuts onto bone and marrow, doesn't it? We'll be back right after this. This is where you're in Geskakel is, 657 AM, skriftierlik tot en met 12 uur vandag, samen in die atelier, Pastor Rocky Stevenson, searching God's word, delving into the word of God. Let's leave no stone unturned to find the answers to our questions. As jy vraag het, baie welkom om het vir ons in te stuur. Magda Herbst, baie dankie ook vir jou, en Charles Sebeko, bless your heart, my brother. Let's just go to Charles quickly. Charles says, be careful how you behave in front of your children. Is that a biblical instruction, how you treat your wife, how you treat your husband? Uh, we set an example for our kids, and tomorrow they become the products of the household in which they grow up. What is the word of God say with regards Definitely. to that? Definitely. Um, a passage just to go to would be Deuteronomy chapter 6, and in particular where you find that you to teach them to your children from Deuteronomy 6 verse 7 it says you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall speak to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be to you as a um, fly terrius between your eyes you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on the gates and then it says this, Then it will be when Yahweh your God brings you into the land, which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of the goods that you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig vineyards there, etc. It says you will be eat, you will eat and be satisfied. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, you, you find that this is something that was told to Israel regarding teaching their children, we're told in the New Testament the way that we are to treat our children as well. You're to be the same person that you are in public as you are in private, and you should be teaching your children in particular God's ways. Yeah, they should be able then to see somewhere, somehow, uh, they should be able uh, to see the Father Heart of God. I think Floyd McClung wrote a book many years ago called The Father Heart of God. And it's so important because your kids are watching you, the yeah. way you speak to your wife, the way you behave. The, yeah. and, and the greatest theological mm. school is right there at the home. Yeah, well, that's what, what Charles um, says. Education starts at home, isn't yeah. it? Ephesians 6, you also see the way in which a husband is to treat his wife. Like Christ treated the church, yeah. giving his life up for her, and the church submitting herself to um, 
to Christ, and you see that within the mother-father relationship, the way that children are to be brought up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so much of the scriptures teach regarding this. We are to pass on this to the next generation and pass on the faith that we have in Christ. And also how we handle disagreements, because ultimately your kids watch you. And uh, there's this old saying, you know, go to the bedroom, close the door. If you have a disagreement with your wife, go to the bedroom, have your disagreement there, because ultimately your son and daughter learns from you. Charles Rebecca can't agree with you more. It is scriptural, descriptierlik, wees voorzichtig wat jy voor die kinders sê. And, and also, uh, when we have friends over for Briar Rocky, kids are watching us like hawks aren't they? Mm. If you have there a negative mindset and you, you're letting steam off against government and uh, what's happening in the country and you're all negative mindset, we don't exactly treat them, teach them how to trust God in the severest of circumstances, no, isn't it? I think we have to be so incredibly careful. You know, we, we often teach our children how to be hypocrites. Yeah. We can behave a certain way at home and in front of the bri and with friends and then behave a very different way when we come to church. Yeah. I guess a good principle would be if this is something that I'm not comfortable doing in front of my duomini or pastor, it's probably not something I should be doing in front of my kids. You know, it's amazing for me to find out. I'll, I'll be at a birthday party of somebody and a person will be swearing their head off and going crazy about yeah. something. And then that, um, that phrase comes out, you know, one of those questions, you know, what do you do for a living? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, it's amazing how quickly somebody can be what saved. What do you say, a, a you human know? resources manager? No, do you a, tell them you? No, I tell them, you know, and, and it's amazing. Suddenly the language <laughs> changes. Suddenly they, they, ha- they order some fruit juice. Or <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, like, um, but, but I can see that as a pastor that, that yeah. at times people will just change their behavior around me because uh, they suddenly realize I'm a pastor. Then it's suddenly, you know, how good God's been to them, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, they also surprise sometimes just how human I am, I guess, you know, as well yeah. when I'm with yeah, them. Yeah, very much so. They Another side to the They court. didn't get an idea that I was a pastor until I told them I'm one. Yeah, um, yeah. And then suddenly they saved. But, uh, yeah, so I, I would say you've got to be so careful. And, and going back to maybe something of your phrase as well of going behind the closed doors regarding argument, there are certain things that should be done behind closed doors as, as husband and wife. But I do think it's even healthy for kids to see the way that you deal with um, – disagreement and a disagreement doesn't have to become a sinful conflict and i think that's where we would put a a, you know a differentiation there and it's also healthy for your children to hear you say please forgive me i was wrong i sinned ah so important especially from that yes to actually be able to see but daddy was wrong with what he did yeah daddy make mistakes please would you forgive me and i was angry at you my boy would you please forgive daddy and I think that's important for our children to see a model of as well, of a repentant heart, a heart that loves the Lord Jesus and puts Jesus first to be above one's pride. Yeah, it's Charles Rebecca, bless your heart. Thank you so much for that post on our WhatsApp line. And Magda uh, Herbs, I'm not sure if we can do this one in three minutes. We've literally got three, four minutes before we have to love and leave you. Magda, wat sê, goeiemorgen, wijn en pastoor Rocky. Ek volg die heren na al vir dekaris, maar het nog nooit in tale gebid of gepraat nie. Is dit een vereiste vir kind van God, die doping van die Heilige Geest? Baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a big question mark on that for me. Ontvang ons dan nie die geest by wedergeboorte nie. Ek is wel groot gedoop. Rocky, what do we answer? Let's help her out, and I think we can do this in in about three minutes. Um, the, The baptism of the Holy Spirit is what happens at conversion. The moment that one is born again, and that, that your heart 3, is converted, that your heart is converted, 
when you have repented of your sin, believed on Christ, that's when the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens. You then show that that has happened through your obedience in following the Lord in baptism as a testament and a testimony to others that you have died with Christ, that you were buried with him, and that you rose with him, and that you're alive in him. So that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It happens at the moment that somebody is born again. This should not be confused with speaking in tongues, neither. That's not, and that, that would be old Pentecostalism um, that has changed since the 1900s. But there, there has been a false view that if you speak in tongues, that's the only time that then you are baptized by the Holy Spirit. And that, that would be to add something to the scriptures that is not there. Even when we see the speaking in tongues that you have in Acts chapter 2, for example, these were known languages and people were proclaiming the gospel to others around. And this was a salvific work of God towards those people that now were hearing the gospel in their home language. And you can see it within the passage. And, and part of what we see is God putting his rubber stamp on the work of the apostles. Was it the same the sort of tongues that Paul spoke in? The same type of a tongues. What Paul also has, a known language. Um, yes, yeah, and what Paul actually he rebukes the Corinthian church, and that would be First Corinthians from chapter twelve to chapter fourteen, where he shows them that what they were doing was not loving by actually saying these are greater gifts, these are lesser gifts, and that he was actually putting into order a church that had become disorderly because of their um, lifting up of certain gifts and other gifts, etc. And he says you would rather actually speak one word or a sentence that people can understand and a whole string of things that people can't understand within the house of the Lord. And so Paul actually rebukes the way in which much of the tongues was happening within the Corinthian church and saying this is becoming like a clanging cymbal and a gong. And you see 1 Corinthians 13, which often gets used at marriages, (laughs) but it's actually a rebuke to the church there that was not behaving in a very loving way. And everything that we do, all of the gifts that have been given us by the Holy Spirit are there for the edification, the building up of the body of Christ. And so what we do must never be for self-edification, but for the edification of the body of Christ by the gifts that we use. So in simple, um, speaking in tongues is not something that is biblically a prerequisite for somebody well, that baptism is, of the Holy um, is baptized by the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is when one is born again. So eenvoudig is dit. Mag de herbst baie dankie tyd geword om te groet. Can you believe it? It's the shortest hour of my life uh, every Tuesday. Rocky, somebody wants to be in touch with you. You're back from Cape Town now, God willing. And uh, if they want to in touch with you, send you an email, ask you a question. Uh, what is that email address? You're yeah, welcome to do that with the email address of pastor at bononibiblechurch.co.za. Pastor at Benoni Bible Church, You've listened to Rocky, you've listened to Weinand, and you've listened to the program Skriftierlik. Now, Lady Verantwoordelijkheid by jou om die skrifte te gaan onderzoek, om te kyk of hierdie dinge soos Acts 17, 11 it challenges you to go and search the scriptures to make sure if these things are so. All that's left to say is, till next time, keep well, God bless you, and Shalom.